The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Wednesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer at Post 9 of the New York Stock Exchange. David Faber has the morning off. First full trading session of the second half, and futures are weak on some disappointing PMIs around the world, including China. A lot of data this week, and we will get FOMC minutes this afternoon. Our roadmap begins with the global macro, soft China data, reviving some growth concerns. Futures are slipping. Investors are waiting some tea leaves from the Fed minutes. Uh, plus, trouble for Twitter. Meta's Facebook prepping a rival app launch as soon as tomorrow. And Goldman upgrading Netflix as the streaming giant regains some momentum in content creation. Let's begin with the markets. What a treat it is to have you back, Jim, because uh, this uh, second half playbook is, is important. Well, thank you. And it's great to be back. I was able to go vacationing with my daughters in Iceland. I had a lot of time to think about the market. And what I realized is that this whole nonsense of that it was only just well, there you go. One of my happiest moments. I summoned, <laughs> I summoned it ahead of everybody else there. Uh, I, I, this whole concept of what went up, I mean, I, give me a oh, I, It was a 50-pound stone that I couldn't lift. It, it tells you how strong you are. This looks like serious reflection time. Oh, my seems. God. I mean, like, you come back. Oh, yeah, they were just, like, looking for shipwrecks. These are some good ones. And I, would, I came back and I thought one thing, which is that who the heck cares what went up? Stocks went up. And that if you were just possessed by the Fed, you were a gas bag. And you just simply could not make any money. If you were possessed by how China was coming back, you missed everything. If you thought about AI and if you thought about U.S. dominance and what is dominating, you made a killing. And I think we have to get away uh, from those who don't look at stocks uh, and don't look at AI. I mean, for instance... A chat GPT, that did, it took over in November and was a major reason why we had an incredible number of calls that went up. And if we we got to get more realistic about what's happening in the economy, which is that the inverted yield curve was the was possessed by people who turned out to be ill advised and of no value. Yes. And, you know, you say that and they keep saying, well, then don't worry, we will be uh, correct. But you know what? They lost. The game over. The game ended. Does the game end? Game ended. I mean, you either made money in the first half or you went home. I mean, you know, it was like a doubleheader and they, they were shut out twice, the first quarter and the second quarter. But they refused to admit it. And their arrogance in refusing to admit it is surprising and suboptimal. Mm. You sound kind of like Renaissance Macro this morning, that, whose general take is the Bears are going to they're going to capitulate even if it's little by little, and those rising forecasts are going to create a bed for the second I round. don't think they can capitulate. They're so intellectually dishonest to begin with. They think they won. They say, well, look, you know, the rally was concentrated in a few stocks. Well, these are trillion-dollar stocks, and so what? Their, their arrogance and insistence that they are going to be right, well, you know what? That reminds me very much of 1987. There was a stock market crash, and all the analysts got negative, and they kept saying, listen, we're going to be right. We're going to revisit 1400 We're going to revisit And they were wrong, 
Now, the good news is they all got fired in the end and they went into other businesses. You know, I, I remember a lot of these guys, they came out and they were pumper loafer. Pumper loafer. Yeah. So, well, how, do, how can you be so intransigent if the, if the clients are obviously disappointed, right? I mean, they're going to, don't they turn on bears who've been wrong? No. They tend to be able to, the institutions are busy saying to the individuals, look, it wasn't worth doing. Uh, there, there was a great book uh, that was written about Bill Parcells. It was called No Medals for Trying. And what he said is that there are triers and there are winners. These people who are bears, they were triers, okay? But there's no medals for trying. Uh, No medals, meaning they got no return for people. Now, over time, the brain-dead people who stay with them will pull their money out. Am I being at all facetious? No. It's time to call these people out. They are people whom I call the tens and the twos. They have been buried by Cindy Homer, who wrote a book about inside the yield curve, which is 500 pages of most tedious, worse than a book called Tristan Shandy that I had to read in first year in English, and it, which is a horrendous book. And what, what bothers me is, is that they're still looking at the yield curve. They're still saying it's the end of the world. In the meantime, I've got a catalyst watch on Lenar and Pulte Home, the most levered to to a to a a, a rally. I mean, what do they want, the Bears? Do they want pickleball to destroy health care? That's what they stand for. They stand for pickleball. Thank you, UBS. Well, good enough. Thank God I got a lot of pens. I bought them in Iceland. That UBS note uh, was heard around the world. So then what does that mean? What does that mean for your positioning in in the next Uh, six months? Look, the one thing that is of concern for me is that we're coming in too hot into earnings season. So that means you start off with J.P. Morgan. and We had these stress tests, and they were okay, but Bank of America wasn't so hot, and the city wasn't so hot in the stress test. So you go in, and those companies could be, um, these could be Lagards, to quote our old friend Wilf. And I think that that's unfortunate because they start talking, and that could cause a bummer, to use a technical term. We, We go through that all the time. Financials start the season out cold. Yeah, I just like, you know, everyone's kind of like saying, oh, look, I guess you got to get long. And that means there was more money coming in, retail money coming in. Thank you, Frank Holland, uh, than we've had in some time. And that makes me feel like, oh, now, now you come in. Well, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get Marie Antoinette coming in here, man. Let them eat cake and then guillotine. Right. So I think that they should stay uh, stay on the sidelines. I'm, I'm telling members of the club, we've had a run. Let's do some selling uh, because to come in now is to say, you know what? I don't need to wait for a pullback. There won't be one. And that's when you get a pullback. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Mike Wilson come out and say, listen, I'm right. I mean, you know, like, you know how the Eagles won the Super Bowl? I was right. <laughs> that was, Don't tell me the Chiefs depends won. On, depends on what dare, year we're talking. Don't yes. you dare tell me the Chiefs won. You are wrong. And don't even say the term Super Bowl because you can't, because you're not allowed to, because my friends at the NFL don't let you use that term. You have to call it the big game. The big game. The big game. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, well, we'll watch that. Uh, obviously, it's huge implications for the, the back half of the year. Then you got these signs of a faltering recovery in China that but Jim mentions. Been, PMI China's been poisoned. On services for June, eased by more than three points, 53.9. That's the slowest since January, Jim. There's a ton of China news. Well, look, uh, the only company that did well in China was Nike. And where did that get them? Uh, 
they have too much inventory. By the way, I want to start taking out Nike. I've got a piece I'm working on. Because it was one of those John Donahoe's, the CEO. And you know what? He's like tool and die in, in, a, in a tech company. I mean, he comes in there with tech and he says like the first 42 words are about how great he is and how great the company is. Boom, they disappointed. And, and that's sometimes what you got to do is own it. You got to say, you know what? We didn't do as well as we should have. But those words of humility are completely missing from that conference call. And I think that it's time for the humility, the chew dog that we know from Buck told us you can't do that. It really didn't move to the downside as much as some prior quarters. It was a horrendous quarter. And made, made more difficult by how great they said it was. Yeah. We, we did, uh, on Friday, we did look quizzically at the freight costs, SG&A. Yeah. Uh, some of the things that other companies have managed to I address. Mean, look, given the fact that they have all of the brands that everybody wants, why didn't they make more money? I mean, you know, they did have a down year over year. And I think that, again, humility says you start with that. You don't start with, like, otherworldly notions of how well you're doing. I find when you're doing poorly, one of the great things is you should say, we didn't, we didn't do as well as we'd like. Because that's what you get in any high level of sport. You'd have a manager, a coach, who would say, you know what, we didn't do as well as we like. Yeah. But no, they won. Well, their China numbers came in a little bit ahead. Well, that was what they were. Yeah. And then they have the for China, by China. And yeah, the Chinese love it. And they had that great holiday. But it, again, uh, you need to win in the world. In China, almost everybody is losing. Uh, the, the services number is, is definitely weak. We got more news this morning about potential export controls on some things you need to make chips. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the Treasury Secretary, Yellen, is expected to visit Beijing tomorrow. Well, that will be disappointing. In advance of that, Eunice Yoon is live from the Chinese capital. Hi, Eunice. Hey, guys. Well, everything that you've been talking about is really the backdrop of Secretary Yellen's visit here. Uh, the poor economy, as you mentioned, those PMI figures, as well as the challenging prospects for a lot of U.S. companies wanting to do business with China and the possibility that the U.S. could be imposing more export controls. Now, uh, Secretary Yellen, um, as Carl had mentioned, is going to be arriving on Thursday over the next four days. Uh, she is going to be meeting with Chinese officials, including her Chinese counterpart and uh, members of the U.S. business community. Now, there is no expectation at this point that she's going to have a sit down with President Xi Jinping. Now, her trip uh, comes just weeks after Secretary of State Antony Blinken was here. Um, her visit is seen as part of a greater effort by the Biden administration to uh, try to reboot and restore um, what uh, these uh, uh, flailing uh, dialogue or conversations with the Chinese. There's been very little communication between the two sides uh, from about a year ago, especially um, after then House Speaker Nancy Pelosi had visited Taiwan, angering Beijing. So far, all the indications are that the Chinese are very happy to have Secretary Yellen here. Um, one of the concerns is that they want to have the focus of conversations to be on the economy. That data that uh, you guys were mentioning um, is one of the reasons why it really showed that the economy here is petering out. Um, secondarily, um, it looks as though the Chinese are increasingly alarmed by uh, Washington, as well as its allies and other advanced economies, really coordinating on de-risking um, from China. In other words, uh, weaning themselves off, uh, especially on supply chains, 
from China. So the expectation is that the Chinese policymakers are really going to be lobbying uh, with um, uh, Secretary Yellen to try to uh, change that. And she's really seen as uh, somebody who's very sympathetic uh, to that cause. Uh, she's been widely quoted here um, in the state press as saying that decoupling, which the Chinese see as more or less the same as de-risking, um, as disaster, disastrous for the relationship and for the global economy. So um, this, though, comes as, as you guys were just mentioning, on Monday, uh, the Chinese had announced export curbs on two metals that are used in EVs and semiconductors. And so that's seen as a bit counterproductive if you uh, think that uh, Secretary Yellen could be a sympathetic ear and potentially go home back to D.C. and, and try to change minds. Well, Eunice, let's let's deal with what I think could be happening here. We don't want war with the Chinese, so we send over some of our high-level people. But for the first time that I can recall, we have what they want, which are chips that allow you to, well, graphic cards that allow you to do artificial intelligence. Uh, and we don't really, we've been working so hard to source away from China. I know we haven't been able to totally get away with it yet. There's still some, uh, there is some residual. But... What can they do to get the chips that they want? And don't we realize at what point that all they want to do is take over Taiwan so the discussion doesn't involve what NVIDIA says? Well, they definitely want to make sure that Taiwan is seen as part of China. But in terms of the, um, the chips, I mean, it's a very difficult one for the Chinese. Uh, we're already seeing that Chinese companies have been trying to use workarounds to get their hands on the chips, um, either through the black market or uh, using cloud computing in order to try to uh, work around these controls. Um, but uh, yeah, the, it's, it's very hard because the Chinese, um, unlike the U.S., um, don't really have as much leverage um, as perhaps they'd like to think. Because, for example, these export controls, where we see that they're trying to send the message that uh, China, too, can impose export controls on the ingredients that would be used in these chips. But at the same time, there is concern that this effort for the Chinese could backfire because uh, those components, uh, gallium as well as germanium, are actually not so rare. And in fact, it could end up uh, doing what we've seen in the past, which is other countries then investing more in the mining of those materials and then um, shrinking eventually Beijing's market share of those uh, particular minerals. Uh, indeed. Uh, NXP actually on the tape right now saying it's examining whether those curbs on gallium and germanium uh, will affect its business. Uh, we'll be talking about it, obviously, in the coming days. Eunice, thanks. Talk to you soon. Uh, Eunice Yoon, when we come back, a twist in the battle between Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. Meta preparing to take on Twitter with this new app that may launch tomorrow. Take a look at the pre-market. A lot of calls to get to this morning as well, including Netflix, Coin, AMD, and Microsoft with some futures uh, in the red. Don't go away. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. 
For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big-picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Tech world's gearing up for this social media showdown. Mark Zuckerberg's Meta preparing to challenge Elon Musk's Twitter with a new app called Threads, you may know. The launch is expected to take place as early as tomorrow. It comes after Twitter spent the holiday period trying to explain why it limited the number of posts that users can read on its platform. Uh, Jim, you can use apparently your own Instagram handle. It's not going to roll out in Europe right away. No, look, it's obvious that this could be the kinder, gentler Twitter. Uh, Twitter's a cesspool. We all know it. Uh, Twitter's been devalued. I saw Linda Yaccarino, formerly of NBC, saying some, some party line position that'll keep, let her keep her job uh, with an increasingly erratic Elon Musk. I, look, I, I think that when I look at what, what the new Facebook Insta has done, it's made it so you don't have the kind of hate that goes on. Uh, if you can extend that, uh, then people will go back to Twitter. I think there are a lot. Twitter may have 300 plus million people, but those are 300 plus million people are dissatisfied. Doesn't mean they won't post. Does mean they can't look at the comments. And when this thing started, you could look at the comments and you could go to people who said nice things. That is the province of Instagram now. Like when I had great posts this when I was in Iceland, like my kids said, look, you can put them up on Instagram, but if you put them up on Twitter, we're going to go home. Uh, because you're so hated on Twitter and you're a liability on Twitter. And we hate you. But that's not unusual because it costs nothing to hate. Hate is just, you know, the free speech for hate is protected. The First Amendment allows people to do anything, including say that you should be assassinated, which I question whether that was meant by the founding fathers. I don't think they thought of Twitter. But in that I am being facetious. But I, I say game set Matt Zuckerberg because he's really learned his lesson. He is really understands that it does matter, that you want to be committed to the community. And Facebook is is a very uh, Instagram is a really terrific product. And Twitter is awful. And my kids were saying, like, why are you posting on Twitter? I said, well, it's free. I said, well, that's just great. The worst things in life are free. (laughs) Does that mean you're going to migrate? Are you going to move your content delivery to threads? Oh, I'll put some Twitter in just because I like be. I'm a masochist who doesn't mind being hated, but that's been the way of my of most of my life since fourth grade. Yes. But uh, when Miss Turf made fun of me, not good. My father heard about it and said she's right. It was always a, a contentious relationship with Pop till around '79. But I do think that that Zuckerberg is the winner here, yep. and I think that Musk has got Yaccarino, and I think that Yaccarino graduated from Penn State. That's good news. Uh, yeah, that is good. I happen to like Nittany Lions. My partner, Jeff Marks, went there. After that, yeah. it, it is a you lot see, of- once you leave the organization, I don't have the same level of, uh, I play for Comcast, okay? And if you leave Comcast for another place, then I don't like you as much. <laughs> That's just the way I okay. am. Right. I now, think- the Comcast people in Philadelphia may say, you know, we're not like that. 
but they're from Philly too, okay? They're from Philly. And when someone leaves Philly and plays for another team, well, let's just say, who were they? There have been some high-profile examples of that and have done pretty well, to be honest. Yeah? Uh, You'll give me that? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yesterday, Nola killed Elfin pitching. Look, they left. I mean, good. I wish her, I wish her good luck yeah. because that because I'm a, a kind person. But you know what? If you played for Comcast and then you, you went somewhere else, well, send me in. Well, I'll let you. No, I'm not going to use Jim Fist's term. But yeah, I wish you good luck. But I play for Comcast. Period. End of story. Yes, we And do. those who, by the way, act as if they don't. Well, there's other networks. <laughs> We're going to see when threads, uh, if we think, if we get this launch tomorrow. Kramer's Mad Dash coming up after the break as we count uh, the second half in. Taking one more look at the pre-market here. Opening bell coming up in about eight minutes. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Transport's going to be a big story there today. Uh, you see UPS on the list of laggards as the Teamsters say the company has walked away from talks. Company denies that, but we will get some auto sales numbers. There's some news on the UAW Big Three. Knight Swift just warning on Q2 on what they're calling persistently soft demand. Opening bell a few moments away, and don't forget, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Just listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street Opening Bell podcast. Time for Kramer's Mad Dash as we count down to the opening bell. You could put up the chart of NVIDIA or you could put up the chart of Lenore. They're the same, except for Lenore is a home builder and NVIDIA is the, is the chip company that is the most important chip company in the world. Uh, what's happened is, is that City has a terrific catalyst watch them, which says basically the large builders are doing better than the small builders and new home sales are gaining an existing, especially a year-over-year comparison, very good. I would also add that uh, the Fed's increases have failed because it didn't raise the long end. The long end is still uh, very, if mortgages are still very cheap historically. Uh, many, many are bought with cash, but there's a scarcity. Uh, and these guys built far fewer than they should. We need to have 2 million build in order to be able to you know, make a dent. We're, we're, you know, there's, we're like three quarters of that. And Lenar is the biggest beneficiary because they really know how to build a home. Wow. They've always been Stuart Miller's executive chairman, really the dean of the group. Very, very impressive. But uh, they also have great things to say about Pulte, which had a terrific quarter, Horton, which had a great quarter, and then Toll, which was standout. But the average home, a million bucks. America's a rich country. Go overseas. I mean, you will not believe the amount of wealth that they, that they think the average person has. Now, I think we're bifurcated, and these homes are of the province of wealthy. Uh, but, wow, they're killing it. Yeah. Well, you're, you're saying about going overseas is what? That you can afford more overseas no, than you no, think? No, no, there's like, they don't, 
overseas thinks there's one class of people in this country. Uh-huh. Uh, what they don't realize is there's a second class where, where this would be a dream unfulfilled. Uh, I, if you tell them that we are a Dickensian uh, world right here, they simply don't believe it because they only see the traveling people because we're traveling like mad. I mean, you can't get a, I mean, I was listening to, you know, there was a Denver flight to Reykjavik that was like, you know, we're overbooked and whatever. That, man, everywhere you go, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian cruise, a Delta, American, we're filled because we are traveling like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. That's one thing that rates really can't move is uh, your appetite to travel. Nope. And that's because we didn't get a lot of money in. And we also have a huge amount of money coming from infrastructure. You see these articles periodically, battery factories everywhere. A lot of this is the success of the, uh, of the Commerce Secretary, Raimondo, who it basically is calling the shots in all this because she's the few, the one of the last people that, no, she's the only person in that administration that actually understands business. The other people understand foreign policy. She knows how to hurt China. Well, there's talk now or some expectation that she may also follow Yellen and go into China at some point. Well, soon. if we'll she see. goes to China, she would be, here's the way it's going to be. Because you don't need, we don't need you. We're not selling Prell anymore. We're not just selling diapers. We're not selling soft drinks. We are selling the things you need to have your military take over Taiwan, and it's not going to happen. There's a look at the open. Uh, Dow down 165 for the big board. It's fuel systems provider Finia celebrating a spinoff from Borg Warner. And at the NASDAQ, VCI Global, a business and technology consulting firm. Jim, your point about the Fed's good because these minutes hopefully will help us understand what kind of deal might have gotten cut between the Hawks and the Doves last yeah, time. Yeah, I'd like to see. I'm looking for confusion. I'm looking for an inability to have a consensus may, in the case of Powell, say, well, if we're not able to have consensus, let's wait until a consensus develops. Uh, Powell chronically underestimated. The, by the way, the Bears have said what, that what a dunce, dunce he is. They want him to sit in the corner. To me, he's done so much. At, you know, what we have to drop is this hard landing, soft landing. We're not in a plane, people. That is, that is another era. We had a hard landing in 29. We had a hard landing in 2007, but we're not in a plane. We're just doing fine. The plane analogy has to be thrown away because it has no bearing. It's a it's a false premise that the bears have locked us into. Well, that depends on what happens with I mean, certainly some of the labor data that we're going to get beginning this week. Right. I mean, well, there's a lot of money. I mean, I think that we have a when I say that we have a slowdown, we have a trillions of dollars coming out of beginning in 2024. Now, maybe the jobs aren't necessarily uh, conducive to what we're people being laid off now. But the people who are being laid off now are equally white collar and slow down blue collar. Uh, and I just think that that's not necessarily going to bring prices down, but it could bring wages, wage growth down. Uh, we also have tremendous immigration. We never talk about it anymore. Right. We've, had, we try. we've had immigration is more than the last five years. Yeah, yeah. Now, yes, we remember at a time, a strange time and a sad time, where immigrants had to hide uh, for unless they'd be deported. You don't read about that anymore. So I do think that what's happened is that we're in better shape than people realize. But if we drop the plan analogy, believe me, I've been trying to come up with a better analogy. I mean, I can do train, but that's so boring. Uh, but I just think that it's it's created a world where all we do is think of hard or soft. But if we're not in a plane, it don't matter. <laughs>
it's, it's true. JP Morgan today, they do talk about hard landing risk in the UK, where they're now eyeing 7% rates. Oh, they're in a plane over there. Bank of it, yeah. Because that's a runaway plane. They can't control the plane. See, a, a, a hard landing means you can't control the plane. I've been on a hard landing. I've been where they foamed it, and we had to do the shoot and stuff. Yes. And Wait, you went, you went down the slide? Yeah, <laughs> and I know. And then it was never written about. It was like totally. I like wanted Ish. to send. It, like I wanted to talk about it. They said, ah, that's okay. But what was interesting about it is, is it had zero to do with what happens in our life. Yeah, zero to do. We come in here and we try to figure that out. But that's again from people who do not want to get their hands dirty with individual stocks. I have also come back with guns blazing. There are people who look at the Fed and look at the yield curve, and they are the people who have kept you out of NVIDIA. <laughs> Meanwhile, I met my friend Scott, new friend, who does enterprises, entertainment enterprises all over the world, who said I saved his company, uh, which was unbelievable because I identified many, identified some good stocks. And then he wanted to know whether my dog was really named NVIDIA. Uh, and I said, listen, he was named Everest, but if you call him NVIDIA and you bring him and you have a stake in your hand, man, he might as well be Jensen Wong's just doppelganger CEO. Um, of. Well, speaking of keeping you out of stocks, uh, Goldman today on Netflix finally removes their sell yeah. uh, to neutral. They go from 230 to 400. Uh, management, they say, executing better than they thought. Industry competition more muted. They do mention in the note, though, since they added a sell last June, stock's up 135%. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those pieces that they're saying, maybe Jim and Carl won't look at that. Maybe <laughs> if you put it out early enough and they haven't seen it. Uh, and you know what? So far, at 9.34, they were thinking, maybe we got away with yeah. it. But now they're like, you know, heads hanging low, and they're going to go get a haircut, and then they're done. Not the only ones, by the way. Today, Northland, we don't talk about a lot. They upgrade AMD to outperform. Yeah, that's very helpful, yeah, too. Yes. Why I knew you you'd love that one quick, as well. Maybe they wait, for, they wait for vacation weeks to do this kind well, of stuff. Well, I think that's when you do it. You try to make it oblivious when the fewest people... I shouldn't... Look, if I were them, I would have downgraded it on the 4th of July. I just, like, slower... You know, let the fireworks obscure it. Like, you know, when you make these stupid calls... And, and there's, you know, there's smart calls and they're not, not smart calls. You do have to eat crow. All right. And I appreciate the fact that these guys came out. But what happens is, is that and I saw this with Carvana, uh, where you, you, you lowered your price target to the point where you really did think it was just going to fail and, or that it was just done. And now you got to take it back up. And it's just embarrassing. And having worked at Goldman and made bad calls and made bad calls on TV, and I always admit that, uh, it, you know, you, you don't you feel awful. But you get it over with, and you try to make as many good. You can't all make. Sure, not every game is perfect. Yeah, um, Jim, you worried about uh, the transports here? I, we haven't mentioned UPS Teamsters yet, well, or night. the Night Swift uh, guidance. No, because I think that the Teamsters. This is again when you have to look through the index, and you're not supposed to. But that's meaningless in the new world. If UPS, uh, if they go on strike, FedEx won't make it up. UPS will be bad. Uh, uh, rails have been bad forever. Uh, could we lose the airlines? No, because this is the long on money, short on time. COVID changed people's minds in a secular way because they usually they knew had family members or close associates who passed away and realized that life was a little more fragile. It takes a little while to get that out of your heads. Right now, we're still going places and we want to go overseas because we feel like we'll never see it uh, if we don't do it now. Right. And, and that's Something that is not shared with the economists who are so busy looking at the at where the tenure is. By the way, see, uh, let me just be full force on this. 
I remember being transfixed about treasuries when I got to Goldman because I didn't understand their import. But what's happened subsequently is they're the only import. So the question is, do they want to get their hands dirty and figure out what the H200 does uh, in artificial intelligence? Do they want to understand uh, generative? Or, do, or is it just easier in their false intellectual way to look at a chart, like if we look at stocks and say, this is what matters? Because it hasn't mattered. So maybe they have to start rethinking their playbook. It hasn't mattered for a long time. Will, will, will you, next business cycle, will you trust the yield curve as a tell? Uh, or has, is that broken? The yield curve was very wrong in 29 to 31, and there were a lot of people who got it wrong. It's just, they're just not remembered because they've been, they were driven out of business. Uh, it's really remarkable to study 29 to 31, and I did some of that when I was away, uh, that everyone made the wrong call because of the yield curve. Uh, and subsequently, we look at them as fools, except for John Maynard Keynes. Uh, and and we, we find ourselves thinking, how could we make the same mistake? And of course, the answer is no one's around from 31 sure. to 32. But it just didn't predict things. And I think that that's where we are. It didn't predict the run in Adobe. It didn't predict the run in Marvell Tech. It obviously, didn't predict the run in Amazon, Alphabet, yes. Apple. Yes. You know, there was a call... I, on Monday about how Apple, I, I read this, it's very funny, they're cutting back Vision Pro. <laughs> I did see that report. Okay, so I got news for them since I, I talked to them about Vision Pro. When they're ready with Vision Pro, we're all going to get one because you can't all get tickets to Taylor Swift for 2000 bucks, but you can be in the front row. I mean, you know, not everybody can afford a Taylor Swift, but they want to see Taylor Swift, who makes 13 million a concert. So let's extend that so that we can go to Tallahassee and you know Birmingham. Yeah, I lived in Tallahassee so for the people who hate Tallahassee. So you you're pretty Ooh, bullish on this product, answering the the craving for experiences. I think that those who haven't tried it or haven't been taught how to use it better start realizing that if you like global football, thank you, John Donahoe, for that new term, you're going to want to see it via this because the number of angles you can see, I mean, it's not like a Viewmaster, people. And I, <laughs> that's, I, that's a deep track. <laughs> right. And I, I just find that people, it's very easy to say that the numbers will be cut if you haven't seen it. And I, I do want to point out that if you look at the, uh, where Apple is and all the people who did these channel checks, well, I have to question, it's, there's an existential crisis that they should be having. Because what they should be thinking is, do, do I belong in the business? Are there other things I can do <laughs> that are, you know, maybe I hear that, you know, one of the things that's great about our country is there's a host of jobs that are available to white collar people. But to have made that call to get out of Apple at 120, at one, I was doing a piece that talked about someone who, who said that you should get out of Apple at eight. And he still has a job. Mm. Now, it's because he's personable and he's a great writer. And that's all I'm going to say about him. <laughs> because I'm a kind man. Yes. I'm a good man. Apocalypse now. Yes. I'm glad you mentioned Amazon. Uh, by the way, founded today in 1994. Get out. Yes, July 5th. Um, Bloomberg with this piece on Jassy now taking a harder look at uh, studio content spend. Uh, on the Hollywood side, which, I'm liking it's about that. $7 billion there. You know, when you criticize Jassy on spend, they don't come back and tell you that you're wrong. They come back and tell you, we're going to take action. And then they do. I think Jassy is saying, listen, I, always, I finally got my arms around it. 
I've got a great CFO, and I'm going to find where we're spending too much. I'm going to kill projects. Uh, that's one of the reasons why the stock's so good. Jassy's a vicious competitor. Um, I find him funny, by the way. He's like a humorous competitor. He's not like Zuckerberg, who's not humorous. He's just not. He's not a world, you know, he's not a world championship funny man. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also this journal piece about the United States preparing to block China's use of Microsoft Cloud products, AWS. And there's Gina Raimondo again. Yeah. She just looks at where they can get the edge over us. And she says, we're not going to let them have it. You know, let them eat North Face. That probably explains why she is on the tape this week Look, saying, please stop decoupling. She's calling the shots. She's saying, we just gave billions in a handout to our tech companies. And here's the deal. You don't get to sell them to China. So, like, get serious. You lost that market. We're not going to let you have it. Now, if it's by China for China, which is the Nike way, the Apple way, the Starbucks way, that's going to have some gravitas. But if you're over there and you're making things that she doesn't want you to, to sell them, then you're not going to sell them. And I think the general model, because she's, you know, historically, the Commerce Secretary is a person who shakes a lot of hands, smiles a lot, and basically represents us in really important parties. You and mean I'm not talking about the Communist job. Party. Yeah. yeah, I'm talking about blowout parties and a lot of, like, really, you know, kind of metropolitan, you know, the big Met gala, which I'm, yeah. ne- I'm never yeah, yeah, invited yeah. to and never will be. But that's what the Commerce Secretary she does. She kind of has reinvented the job. Oh, uh, well, no, yeah. she's taking it very seriously. And she's being taken very seriously by a president who doesn't know the difference between a stock and a bond. <laughs> he probably wouldn't mind you saying that, by the way. No, he'd yeah. be happy. Yeah. He wants to present himself as a, man, a labor guy. I, you know, look, I, I, not to diminish that, he, he's handed it off to a brilliant person. Right. I mean, one of the great things that Eisenhower did was he gave it. He didn't understand a lot of things. So we, And he's noted, actually, if you go read any of the bios, he's pretty good. President Biden, is, and no one knew whether he was Democrat or Republican, uh, until he declared, but uh, President Biden has a first-rate mind for business, which is Ramondo. So why, why not give her the ball? She's brilliant. She's come through with a plan to be able to put factories up, became the leader in hydrogen, by the way. We're going to lead in charging. We're going to lead in EVs. And in return, China gets all the diapers they want <laughs> because they don't even have their their birth rate is probably the lowest in the world. Hey, by the way, John Ellis, quoting uh, Nick Everstadt, who's a classmate of mine who does some great demographic work, says that you can measure the strength of a regime by whether people still have children because it shows you whether they have hope. And China's birth rate is ridiculously low yeah. because they have no hope. Yeah. Uh, and not to mention youth unemployment uh, and huge... Uh. Uh, oh, and 20%. like they do these things, like we're lowering our whatever, and we're building this, and everybody knows the buildings aren't. Oh, yeah. Look, yeah. they have to give the Eighth Army whatever what they want, but we block them. I mean, they're back making destroyers as if it's the 1942 period. I'm glad you mentioned EVs. Uh, Tesla is extending the rally. Deliveries this week were good. Uh, Jonas and Morgan Stanley with this note about market share for Tesla may be higher for longer because either other. Legacy OEMs aren't coming to market with the models that we expected in well, time. I think a lot of people, when I was at, at Ford, uh, probably were surprised at, at his sales, which were remarkable. Uh, no doubt about it that the, there is a love. Uh, people are very worried about one thing. They're worried that in that business. They're worried that one day you'll wake up and, and 
California will say, okay, we're going EV by 2030. And California did that for a catalytic converter for, for pollution. Uh, and Washington failed to block California. So I think that, the, that California is the linchpin here about what they'll really do. Mm. They're kind of a one-fifth of the country. Uh, but, yeah, I thought that the sales were remarkable. For Tesla. Yeah. And look, I think Musk is great. I'm, not, I'm just saying that, that he bought Twitter, and that was like kind of an afterthought. So if he had made any attempt to try to make it so we would read our comments again or get in contact with people who are heavy users, it would be very different. But what he's done is perpetuate uh, the level of hate that this previous CEO would tell you is crushing them. Right. Uh- Speaking of autos, uh, there's a story that the White House is putting Gene Sperling now in charge of making this UAW uh, cycle, a negotiation cycle, go as smoothly as possible, Jim. That's in September. Yeah, Gino's okay. I, I, I work with him when I was with Cudlow and Kramer. He would come on all the time. Yeah. The, the goal is to try to make it so that there's no big strike. I know that the new UAW leader is very much of a 19, the old days before the leadership people feel got co-opted by the government and this new union uh, is making talks about plutocracy and about how they've cashiered uh, everyone uh, in the name of supporting the billionaires. He's using rhetoric that if you go back, you'll see a lot of uh, background that, you know, communists who were very much involved with unions use this language, which is very strange. I mean, I, I, he won a con- he won a very contested vote. And it's, a, it's entirely possible that the guy wants to really just make it so that there's profit sharing right. between us who own Ford and they who feel like that the workers own the means of production. Now, the workers in the meat production, for those who, like I did, took our, my seven communist courses at Harvard, had to mention Harvard because I'm a jerk. And the answer is, is that Trotsky, not Lenin, often confused, Trotsky believed the workers should own the means of production. And that's what the UAW believes. They just don't realize it. And no one wants to come out with Trotsky, which Carson did say famously as Karnak is Russian prune juice. Yes. Sounds like you're expecting maybe uh, a rocky, rocky rocky talks. I think it's terrible because we've got a a union that truly believes that what's good at Ford and GM, what's good for GM used to be good for the country, according to what? Yep. Yep. To engine uh, Wilson. But these guys say, listen, we it's our time. It's time for the union to make money. And does that mean that they get a 10 percent sweet sweetener or does that mean that they get a lot more equity? And it'll be up to Gene Sperling to help Jim Farley and Ford, because I think the union is fractious and unruly and given to um, something that makes it so as my charitable trust owns the stock into the biggest risk you have, Hmm. not the F-150 competitor, the Lamborghini that uh, Musk is making for pickup. And you just won't. the average small business will not buy a Lamborghini in order to be able right, to. As, as Farley told you just the yeah, other day. The Lamborghini has got a really great SUV. 400 Gs. I think it's overpriced, but not if you're rich. What's the line? I make I make cars for real people who for do real, real work. My <laughs> wife took that Lamborghini truck out. She went 180 on the streets in Modena. Didn't get a ticket. You know, they, oh, by the way, when you go to a, to a, a test drive, here's what they do. Here's the keys. Don't go over 180. 
Okay. Bring it back without a scratch. Yeah. Uh, let's take a look at the markets here on this uh, Wednesday morning. Down, opening down about 150 or so. Don't forget, you can always get in on the CNBC Investing Club with Jim. Just sign up and find out more at cnbc.com slash join the club or use the QR code on your screen. Takes you right there. As for data today, factory orders and durables coming up in about 10 minutes. Williams this afternoon, FOMC minutes at 2 p.m. There's a look at the, uh, the yield complex, which has been split for most of the morning. Don't go away. Take a look at Rivian again today. Word that they're rolling out some Amazon vans in the EU. DA Davidson ups to neutral. It's gone from 13 to 20 uh, in about a week. And this is the first peak above the 200-day almost since it went public in uh, late 2021. We'll watch that today on Important Day for Autos as the Dow's down 113. Don't go away. Let's get to Stop Trading with Jim. You know, we're starting to realize that Robinhood didn't make the mistakes of some of the other brokers, perhaps because they didn't have enough money in. But they still attract a lot of young people. And this morning, Piper takes his price target up 10 to 11, talking about better numbers. I want to urge people to recognize that uh, younger people have not forsaken the market. They just went to Robinhood. And that's not stopped. Uh, it, it's impressive how younger people are indeed in the market. And they don't want to hear about the Fed. They want ideas. And again, if there is any longevity to us and to people who comment on the market, they should go. They have to start doing work. I have on holdings on tonight. OK. And paychecks. I'm going to schlep over to Williamsburg where on is opening a new store. But the people who are studying the, the fives, the twos, the tens, they are intellectually lazy, even as they call us People who are anecdotal and not empirical. <laughs> and I am telling you, it's time to start realizing who's intellectually lazy and who is doing their darn best it's to try to not, figure it out for the Robin. Not people. to say you think there's no place for economists in this no, world. Look, it's a factor. It's not the factor. And to make it so it's the factor is to minimize what the people want at Robin Hood. Do they want end phase? Yes. Should we give them end phase? What we do is address what they want. It doesn't mean we're positive or negative. But if we give them the idea that what they need to look at is the 20 year, that's fine as one of the reasons why they may make a mistake. But to tell them it's all that matters is to say to them, don't go even near this. And then they're just, well, they're in chains. And as Engel said, the people are a sack of potatoes. And I never liked Engels other than Marty. <laughs> Marty Engels. That's a good one. Good one. Uh, great hour, Jim. We'll see you later. Uh, see you on Mad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern tonight. Dow chipping away at some early morning losses, down 120. Don't go away. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, 
The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 